0: Section 9 of Europe and Elsewhere by Mark Twain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by John Greenman. Chapter 8 Down the Rhone. Part 1. 1891. In old times, a summer sail down the Rhone was a favorite trip with travelers, but that day is long gone by. The conveniences for the sail disappeared many years ago driven out of existence by the railway. In August, 1891, I made this long-neglected voyage with a boatman and a courier. The following account of it is part diary and part comment. The main idea of the voyage was not to see sights, but to rest up from sightseeing. There was little or nothing on the rhone to examine or study or write didactically about consequently to glide down the stream in an open boat moved by the current only would afford many days of lazy repose with opportunity to smoke read doze talk accumulate comfort get fat and all the while be out of reach of the news and remote from the world and its concerns our point of departure was to be the castle of chatillon on lake bourget not very far from aix-les-bains i went down from geneva by rail on a saturday afternoon and reached the station nearest the castle during the evening i found the courier waiting for me He had been down in the lake region several days, hunting for a boat, engaging the boatman, etc. From My Log The luggage was given to the porters, a couple of peasant girls of seventeen or eighteen years, and a couple of younger ones, children, one might say, of uh, twelve or thirteen. It consisted of heavy satchels and holdalls, but they gathered it up and trudged away, not seeming to mind the weight. The road was through woods and uphill, dark and steep and long. I tried to take the heavy valise from the smallest one, telling her I would carry it myself. She did not understand, of course, and resisted. I tried then to take the bag by gentle force. This alarmed her. The courier came and explained that she was afraid she was going to lose the trifle of money she was earning. The courier told her this was not the case, but she looked doubtful and concluded to hang on to a sure thing. How much is it she's going to get? She will charge about half a franc. Then pay her now, and she'll give up the bag. But that scheme failed, too. The child hung to the bag and seemed distressed. No explanation could be got out of her, but one of the other girls said the child was afraid that if she gave it up, the fact would be used against her with tourists as proof that she was not strong enough to carry their luggage for them, and so she would lose chances to get work by and by the winding road carried us by an open space where we could see very well see the ruins of a burned-out little hamlet of the humblest sort stone walls with empty window-holes narrow alleys cluttered with wreckage and fallen thatch etc our girls were eager to have a stop and view this wonder the result of the only conflagration they had ever seen the only large event that had ever accented their monotonous lives it had happened a couple of months before and the villagers had lost everything even to their stockings of savings and were too poor to rebuild their houses a young woman an old one and all the horses had been burned to death. The young girls said they could take us among the ruins and show us the very spot. We finally came out on the top of the hill, and there stood the castle, a rather picturesque old stack of masonry with a walled yard about it and an odd old stumpy tower in a corner of the yard, handsomely clothed in vines. The castle is a private residence whose owner leaves it in charge of his housekeeper and some men-servants, and lives in Lyon, except when he wants to fish or shoot. The courier had engaged rooms, but the fact had probably been forgotten, for we had trouble in rousing the garrison. It was getting late, and they were asleep. Eventually a man unlocked and unbarred the door and led us up a winding stair of heavy and very plain stonework. My bed was higher from the floor than necessary. This is apparently the rule in old French houses of the interior, but there is a stepladder. In the morning I looked out of my window and saw the tops of trees below me thick and beautiful foliage and below the trees was the bright blue water of the lake shining in the sun the window seemed to be about two hundred feet above the water an airy and inspiring situation indeed a pope was born in that room a couple of centuries ago i forget his name in that old day they built for utility. This was evident. Everything, floors, sashes, shutters, beams, joists, were cheap, coarse, ornamentless, but everlastingly solid and substantial. On the wall hung an indication of the politics of the present owner. This was a small photograph with philippe comte de paris written under it the castle was ancient in its way but over the door of one of its rooms there was a picture set in a frame whose profound antiquity made all its surroundings seem modern and fresh this frame was of good firm oak as black as a coal and had once been part of a lake-dweller's house it was already a thing of antiquity when the Romans were planting colonies in France before the time of Christ. The remains of a number of lake villages have been dug out of the mud of Lake Bourget. Breakfast was served in the open air on a precipice in a little arbor sheltered by vines, with glimpses through the tree tops of the blue water far below and with also a wide prospect of mountain scenery. The coffee was the best I ever drank in Europe. Presently there was a bugle-blast from somewhere about the battlements, a fine middle-age effect, and after a moment it was answered from the further shore of the lake, and we saw a boat put out from that shore. It was ours. We were soon on board and away. It was a roomy, long, flat boat, very light and easy to manage, easy to manage because its sides tapered a little toward both ends, and both ends curved up free from the water and made the steering prompt and easy. The rear half was sheltered from sun and rain by a temporary and removable canopy stretched over hoop-pole arches after the fashion of the old-time wagon covers of the emigrants to California. We at once rolled the sides of the canopy high up so that we might have the breeze and a free view on every hand. On the other side of the lake we entered a narrow canal, and here we had our last glimpse of that picturesque chatillon perched on its high promontory. The sides of the canal were walled with vines heavily laden with black grapes. The vine leaves were white with the stuff which is squirted on them from a thing like a fire extinguisher to kill the calamitous phylloxera, we saw only one living creature for the first lonely mile, a man with his extinguisher strapped on his back and hard at his deadly work. I asked our admiral, Joseph Rougier, of the village of Chanaz, if it would be a good idea to offer to sell this Sabbath-breaker a few choice samples of foreign phylloxera and he said yes if one wanted to play the star part in an inquest at last two women and a man strolling churchward in their sunday best gave us a courteous hail and walked briskly along abreast of us plying the courier and the sailor with eager questions about our curious and unaccountable project and by the time they had got their fill and dropped astern to digest the matter and finish wondering over it, we were serene again and busy discussing the scenery. For now there was really some scenery to look at, of a mild but pleasant type, low precipices, a country road shaded by large trees a few cozy thatched cabins scattered along, and now and then an eruption of joyous children who flocked to inspect us and admire, followed by friendly dogs who stood and barked at us, but wagged their tails to say no offense was intended. Soon the precipice grew bolder, and presently Shanaz came in sight, and the canal bore us along its front along its street for it had only one we stepped ashore there was a roll of distant drums and soon a company or two of french infantry came marching by all the citizens were out and every male took off his hat politely as the soldiers moved past him and this salute was always returned by the officers. I wanted envelopes, wine, grapes, and postage stamps, and was directed to a stone stairway and told to go up one flight. Up there I found a small, well-smoked kitchen, paved with worn-out bricks, with pots and pans hanging about the walls, and a bent and humped woman of seventy cooking a very frugal dinner the tiredest dog i have seen this year lay asleep under the stove in a roasting heat an incredible heat a heat that would have pulled a remark of the hebrew children but the dog slept along with perfect serenity and did not seem to know that there was anything the matter with the weather the old woman set off her coffee pot Next she removed her pork chop to the table. It seemed to me that this was premature. The dog was better done. We asked for the envelopes and things. She motioned us to the left with her ladle. We passed through a door and found ourselves in the smallest wholesale and retail commercial house in the world, I suppose the place was not more than nine feet square the proprietor was polite and cheerful enough for a place five or six times as large he was weighing out two ounces of parched coffee for a little girl and when the balances came level at last he took off a light bean and put on a heavier one in the handsomest way and then tied up the purchase in a piece of paper and handed it to the child with as nice a bow as one would see anywhere. In that shop he had a couple of bushels of wooden shoes, a dollar's worth altogether, perhaps, but he had no other articles in such lavish profusion. Yet he had a pound or so or a dipperful of any kind of thing a person might want you couldn't buy two things of a kind there but you could buy one of any and every kind it was a useful shop and a sufficient one no doubt yet its contents could not have cost more than ten dollars here was home on a small scale but everything comfortable no haggard looks visible no financial distress apparent. I got all the things I came for, except double postage stamps for foreign service. I had to take domestic stamps instead. The merchant said he kept a double stamp in stock a couple of years, but there was no market for it, so he sent it back to Paris, because he was eating up its insurance. A careful man and thrifty and of such is the commonwealth of france we got some hot fried fish in Chenaz, and took them aboard and cleared out with grapes and claret and bread they made a satisfactory luncheon we paddled a hundred yards turned a rock corner and here was the furious gray current of the rhone just a whistling by We crept into it from the narrow canal and laid in the oars. The floating was begun. One needs no oar help in a current like that. The shore seemed to fairly spin past. Where the current assaults the heavy stone barriers thrown out from the shores to protect the banks, it makes a break like the break of a steamboat and you can hear the roar a couple of hundred yards off the river where we entered it was about a hundred yards wide and very deep the water was at medium stage the rhone is not a very long river six hundred miles but it carries a bigger mass of water to the sea than any other french stream for the first few miles we had lonely shores hardly ever a house on the left bank we had high precipices and domed hills right bank low and wooded at one point in the face of a precipice we saw a great cross carved out of the living rock the admiral said forty feet above the carriage road where a doctor had had his tomb scooped in the rock, and lies in there safe from his surviving patients, if any. At one twenty-five p.m. we pass the slumbrous village of Massigneux-de-Rive on the right, and the ditto village of Houssier on the left, in Savoy. We had to take all names by sound from the admiral, and he said, nobody could spell them there was a ferry at the former village a wire is stretched across the river high overhead along this runs a wheel which has ropes leading down and made fast to the ferry-boat in such a way that the boat's head is held farther upstream than its stern this angle enables the current to drive the boat across and no other motive force is needed. This would be a good thing on minor rivers in America. 2.10 p.m. It is delightfully cool, breezy, shady under the canopy, and still, much smoking and lazy reflecting. There is no sound but the rippling of the current and the moaning of far-off breaks except that now and then the admiral dips a screechy oar to change the course half a point in the distance one catches the faint singing and laughter of playing children or the softened note of a church bell or town clock but the reposeful stillness that is the charm and the smooth swift gliding and the fresh, clear, lively, gray-green water. There was such a rush, and boom, and life, and confusion, and activity in Geneva yesterday. How remote all that seems now, how wholly vanished away and gone out of this world. 2.15. Village of Yen. Iron suspension bridge. On the heights back of the town, a chapel with a tower like a thimble, and a very tall white virgin standing on it. Two twenty five. Precipices on both sides now. River narrow sixty yards. Two thirty. Immense precipice on right bank with groups of buildings. Pierre Chatel. Planted on the very edge of it in its near neighborhood a massive and picturesque fortification all this narrow gut from the bridge down to the next bridge a mile or two is picturesque with its frowning high walls of rock in the face of the precipice above the second bridge sits a painted house on a rock bench A chapel we think but the admiral says it is for the storage of wine more fortifications at the corner where the river turns no cannon but narrow slits for musketry commanding the river also narrow slits in the solid hollowed out precipice perhaps there is no need of cannon here where you can throw a biscuit across from precipice to precipice. 2.45, below that second bridge. On top of the bluffs, more fortifications. Low banks on both sides here. 2.50, now both sets of fortifications show up, look huge and formidable, and are finally grouped through the glass they seem deserted and falling to ruin out of date perhaps one will observe by these paragraphs that the Rhone is swift enough to keep one's view changing with a very pleasant alacrity at mid-afternoon we passed a steep and lofty bluff right bank which was crowned with the mouldering ruins of a castle overgrown with trees. A relic of Roman times, the admiral said. Name? No, he didn't know any name for it. Had it a history? Perhaps he didn't know. Wasn't there even a legend connected with it? He didn't know of any. Not even a legend. One's first impulse was to be irritated. Whereas one should be merely thankful, for if there is one sort of invention in this world that is flatter than another, it is the average folklore legend. It could probably be proven that even the adventures of the saints in the Roman calendar are not of a lower grade as works of the inventor's art. THE DREAMY REPOSE the infinite peace of these tranquil shores, this sabbath stillness, this noiseless motion, this strange absence of the sense of sin, and the stranger absence of the desire to commit it. This was the perfectest day the year had wrought. Now and then we slipped past low shores with grassy banks, a solitary, thatched cottage close to the edge, one or two big trees with dense foliage sheltering the cottage, and the family in their Sunday clothes, grouped in the deep shade, chatting, smoking, knitting, the dogs asleep about their feet, the kittens helping with the knitting, and all hands content and praising God without knowing it we always got a friendly word of greeting and returned it one of these families contained 18 sons and all were present the admiral was acquainted with everybody along the banks and with all the domestic histories notwithstanding he was so ineffectual on old roman matters 420 bronze statue of the virgin on a sterile hill slope four forty five ruined roman tower on a bluff belongs to the no name series five some more roman ruins in the distance at six o'clock we rounded two we stepped ashore in a woodsy and lonely place and walked a short mile through a country lane to the sizable and rather modern-looking village of st genix part of the way we followed another pleasure party six or eight little children riding aloft on a mountain of fragrant hay this is the earliest form of the human pleasure excursion and for utter joy and perfect contentment it stands alone in a man's threescore years and ten all that come after it have flaws but this has none we put up at the hotel La Boulie, in the little square where the church stands satisfactory dinner later i took a twilight tramp along the high banks of a moist ditch called the gire river If it was my river, I wouldn't leave it outdoors nights in this careless way where any dog can come along and lap it up. It is a tributary of the Rhone when it is in better health. It became dark while we were on our way back, and then the bicyclers gave us many a sudden chill. They never furnished us an early warning, but delivered the paralyzing shock of their rubber horn hoot right at our shoulder-blades, and then flashed spectrally by on their soundless wheels, and floated into the depths of the darkness and vanished from sight before a body could collect his remark and get it out. Sometimes they get shot. This is right. I went to my room, number 16. The floor was bare, which is the rule down the Rhone. Its planks were light-colored, and had been smoothed by use rather than art. They had conspicuous black knots in them. The usual high and narrow bed was there, with the usual little marble-topped commode by the head of it, and the usual strip of foot carpet alongside, where you climb in. The wallpaper was dark, which is usual on the continent. Even the northern regions of Germany, where the daylight in winter is of such poor quality that they don't even tax it now. When I woke in the morning it was eight o'clock and raining hard, so I stayed in bed and had my breakfast and a ripe old Paris paper of last week brought up. It was a good breakfast, one often gets that, and a liberal one, one seldom gets that. There was a big bowl for the coffee instead of a stingy cup, which has to be refilled just as you are getting interested in it. There was a quart of coffee in the pot instead of a scant half pint instead of the usual hollow curl of brittle butter which evades you when you try to scoop it onto the knife and crumbles when you try to carve it there was a solid cream-colored lump as big as a brick there was abundance of hot milk and there was also the usual ostensible cream of europe there must be cream in europe somewhere but it is not in the cows. They have been examined. The rain continued to pour until noon. Then the sun burst out, and we were soon up and filing through the village. By the time we had tramped our mile and pushed out into the stream, the watches marked one ten, and the day was brilliant and perfect over on the right were ruins of two castles one of them of some size we passed under a suspension bridge alongside of it was an iron bridge of a later pattern nearby was a little steamer lying at the bank with no signs of life about her the first boat except ferry-boats encountered since we had entered the Rhone a lonely river, truly. We drifted past lofty highlands, but there was nothing inspiring about them. In Switzerland the velvet heights are sprinkled with homes, clear to the clouds, but these hills were sterile, desolate, gray, melancholy, and so thin was the skin on them that the rocky bones showed through in places. 130. We seem lost in the intricate channels of an archipelago of flat islands covered with bushes. 150. We whirl around a corner into open river again, and observe that a vast bank of leaden clouds is piling itself up on the horizon. The tint thrown upon the distant stretches of water is rich and fine. The river is wide now, a hundred and fifty yards, and without islands. Suddenly it has become nearly currentless and is like a lake. The admiral explains that from this point for nine miles it is called l'eau morte, dead water. The region is not entirely barren of life, it seems solitary woman paddling a punt across the wide still pool. The boat moved, but that is about all one could say. It was indolent progress. Still it was comfortable. There were flaming sunshine behind, and that rich thunder gloom ahead, and now and then the fitful fanning of a pleasant breeze. A woman paddled across, a rather young woman, with a face like the Mona Lisa. I had seen the Mona Lisa only a little while before, and stood two hours in front of that painting, repeating to myself, people come from around the globe to stand here and worship. What is it they find in it? To me it was merely a serene and subdued face, and there an end. There might be more in it, but I could not find it. The complexion was bad. In fact, it was not even human. There are no people of that color. I finally concluded that maybe others still saw in the picture faded and vanished marvels which had been there once and were now forever vanished. Then I remembered something told me once by Noel Flagg, note one, of Hartford, Connecticut, the artist. There was a time, he said, when he wasn't yet an artist but thought he was. His pictures sold and gave satisfaction, and that seemed a good enough verdict. One day he was daubing away in his studio, and feeling good and inspired, when Dr. Horace Bushnell, that noble old Roman, straggled in there without an invitation, and fastened that deep eye of his on the canvas. The youth was proud enough of such a call, and glad there was something on the easel that was worthy of it after a long look the great divine said you have talent boy that sounded good what you want is teaching teaching he an accepted and competent artist he didn't like that after another long look do you know the higher mathematics i know sir you must acquire them as a proper part of an artist's training this was veiled irony as an essential part of it do you know anatomy no sir you must learn how to dissect a body what are you studying now principally nothing i believe and the time flying the time flying Where are your books? What do you read? There they are, on the shelves. I see. Poetry and romance. They must wait. Get to your mathematics and your anatomy right away. Another point. You must train your eye. You must teach yourself to see. Teach myself to see? I believe I was born with that ability. But nobody is born with a trained ability, nobody. A cow sees. She sees all the outsides of things, no doubt. But it is only the trained eye that sees deeper, sees the soul of them, the meaning of them, the spiritual essence. Are you sure that you see more than the cow sees? you must go to paris you will never learn to see here there they'll teach you there they'll train you there they'll work you like a slave there they'll bring out the talent that's in you be off don't twaddle here any longer flag thought it over and resolved that the advice was worth taking. He and his brother cleared for Paris. They put in their first afternoon there, scoffing at the works of the old masters in the Louvre. They laughed at themselves for crossing a wide ocean to learn what masterly painting might be by staring at these odious things. As for the Mona Lisa, they exhausted their treasure of wit in making fun of it. Next day they put themselves into the hands of the beaux people, and that was the end of play. They had to start at the very bottom of their trade and learn it over again, detail by detail, and learn it right this time. They slaved away, night and day, for three months and wore themselves to shadows then they had a day off and drifted into the louvre neither said a word for some time each disliked to begin but at last in front of the mona lisa after standing mute a while one of them said speak out say it say it yourself well then we were cows before yes it's the right name for it that is what we were it is unbelievable the change that has come over these pictures in three months it is the difference between a landscape in the twilight and the same landscape in the daytime then they fell into each other's arms this all came back to me now as I saw this living Mona Lisa punting across Lo More two forty p.m. made for a village on the right bank with all speed, Porte de Grosly. Remains of Roman aqueduct on hilltop back of the village. Rain, deluges of it. Took refuge in an inn on the bank. Hôtel des voyageurs the public room was full of voyagers and tobacco smoke the voyagers may have been river folk in the old times when the inn was built but this present crowd was made up of teamsters they sat at bare tables under their feet was a bare floor about them were the four bare walls a dreary place at any time a heartbreaking place now in the dark of the downpour. However it was manifestly not dreary to the Teamsters. They were sipping red wine and smoking. They all talked at once, and with great energy and spirit, and every now and then they gave their thighs a sounding slap and burst into a general hoarse laugh. The courier said that this was in response to rude wit and coarse anecdotes. The brace of modest-looking girls who were waiting on the Teamsters did not seem troubled. The courier said that they were used to all kinds of language and were not defiled by it, that they had probably seldom heard a spade called anything but a spade therefore the foulest words came innocent to their ears this inn was built of stone of course everybody's house on the continent from palace to hovel is built of that dismal material and as a rule it is as square as a box and odiously plain and destitute of ornament it is formal forbidding and breeds melancholy thoughts in people used to friendlier and more perishable materials of construction the frame house and the log house moulder and pass away even in the builders time and this makes a proper bond of sympathy and fellowship between the man and his home but the stone house remains always the same to the person born in it in his old age it is still as hard and indifferent and unaffected by time as it was in the long-vanished days of his childhood the other kind of house shows by many touching signs that it has noted his griefs and misfortunes and has felt for them but the stone house doesn't it is not of his evanescent race It has no kinship with him, nor any interest in him. A professional letter-writer happened along presently, and one of the young girls got him to write a letter for her. It seemed strange that she could not write it herself. The courier said that the peasant women of the Rhone do not care for education, but only for religion that they are all good Catholics, and that their main ambition in life is to see the Rhone's long procession of stone and bronze virgins added to, until the river shall be staked out with them from end to end, and that their main pleasure in life is to contribute from their scant centimes to this gracious and elevating work. He says it is a quite new caprice that ten years ago there was not a virgin in this part of france at all and never had been this may be true and of course there is nothing unreasonable about it but i have already found out that the courier's statements are not always exact i had a hot fried fish and coffee in a garden shed roofed with a mat of vines But the rain came through in streams, and I got drenched in spite of our umbrellas, for one cannot manage table implements and umbrellas all at the same time with anything like good success. Mem. Last evening, for economy's sake, proposed to be a Frenchman, because Americans and English are always overcharged courier said it wouldn't deceive unless i played myself for a deaf and dumb frenchman which i did and so the rooms were only a franc and a half each but the admiral must have let it out that i was only deaf and dumb in french for prices were raised in the bill this morning four ten p m left port de 4.50 p.m., Chateau of the Count Casillois, or something like that. The admiral's pronunciation is elusive. Courier guesses the spelling at Quintionat. I don't quite see the resemblance. This courier's confidence in himself is a valuable talent. He must be descended from the idiot who taught our forefathers to spell Tizik with a ph and a th the river here is as still and smooth and nearly as dead as a lake the water is swirly though and consequently makes uneasy steering river seems to draw together and greatly narrow itself below the count's house no doubt the current will smarten up there three new quarries along here dear me, how little there is in the way of sightseeing when a quarry is an event, remarked upon with contentment. Swept through the narrow canal-like place with a good current, on the left-hand point below, bush-grown ruins of an ancient convent, St. Albans, picturesquely situated on a low bluff. There is a Higher and handsomer bluff, a trifle lower down. How did they overlook it? Those people generally went for the best, not second best. Shapely Hole in latter Bluff, one hundred feet above the water, Anchorite's Nest. Interesting looking hole, and would have cost but little time and trouble to examine it, but it was not done it is no matter one can find other holes at last below bluffs we find some greensward not extensive but a pleasant novelty five thirty lovely sunset mottled clouds richly painted by sinking sun and fleecy shreds of clouds drifting along the fronts of neighboring blue mountains harrow in a field apparently harrow, but was distant and could not tell. Could have been a horse. 535. Very large, gray, broken, arched, and unusually picturesque ruin crowning a hilltop on right. Name unknown. This is a liberal mile above village of Briord, my spelling, the admiral's pronunciation, on same side, passed the village swiftly, and left it behind. The villagers came out and made fun of our strange tub. The dogs chased us and were more noisy than necessary. 6 p.m. Another suspension bridge. This is the sixth one. They have ceased to interest. There was nothing exciting about them from the start. Presently landed on left bank and shored the boat for the night. Hotel du Rhone Moine, isolated, situated right on the bank, sort of a village, villagette to be exact, a little back. Hotel is two stories high and not pretentious, family dwelling and a cow stable all under one roof. End of chapter 8 Down the Rhone, part 1 Read by John Greenman